open your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. By the way, my name is Sean Rafferty. I'm one of the pastors here. And just uh, just feel blessed to be able to uh, teach us this morning. And, uh, and just really pray that the Holy Spirit teaches us this morning. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. And so uh, he would have his way. Uh, but we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. We're going to be taking a break from where uh, Eric's been. And um, just taking... Uh, a moment to look at the life of Joseph and to speak to our hearts this morning. So let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for who you are and how you love us. And Lord, we give you place here today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would accomplish what you desire to in and through each one of us. God, we, we know that the story of Joseph is powerful and it's been, it, it will be a, an incredible example to us. Lord, I pray that you would use this story to, um, to root out some things in our life and to replace those things with other things that you desire to put there. Lord, I pray as we look at this road of forgiveness, Lord, I pray that you would uh, be dealing with our hearts, Lord. You would help us to see our own depravity, our own need for forgiveness. And Lord, we ask that you would accomplish what you desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Imagine waking up one morning only to see your name in the obituary column of the newspaper. Your name is right there, and next to your name is, is the birth, your birth date, and then next to, it, next to that is the day that you died, a picture of yourself, and, and uh, a little blurb about your life. Well, that would be pretty strange, wouldn't it? Uh, well, that actually happened to a man in a small town. And uh, the man went down to the newspaper, and he was pretty upset, uh, outraged about the situation. Can you imagine? Like, you see yourself in the paper like, whoa, I'm not dead. <laughs> and, and so he, he says, I-, I need to talk to the editor. And, and the, you know, I have an issue with what with, with you've, print, you've printed in, in the paper. Uh, you know, people think I'm dead, and, and, and I'm, I'm alive, and, um, and so, uh, what are you going to do about this situation? How are you going to fix this situation? I mean, people think I'm literally dead. And, and, the, and the editor kind of looked at him, and he was perplexed for a second, like, ah, what, what do I do? And, 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 he, and, he, and he, he says, oh, um, I, well, what we can do for you is we can put your, your name in the birth column tomorrow. Well, dead, though he was alive. He was dead to to people in his town. And the same truth is going to be understood in the story of Joseph. Joseph's brothers sell Joseph into slavery. Remember? Remember, he, he, he has this uh, coat, and, and they're jealous, and, and so they sell him into slavery, and, and, uh, and then they go home. And they, the brothers tell their father, Jacob, um, Joseph's dead. And, and then the brothers then begin to move on with life and say, oh, Joseph's, Joseph's gone. Like, don't have to worry about him anymore, right? And, and uh, yet 20 years later, they encounter each other again, 20 years later. And, and, and what happens blow, is, is mind-blowing, and we're going to look at that today and understand the process of what, what happens with these brothers that get reunited uh, through circumstances. But I want to start with this. I want to start with the end of the story and then jump to the beginning of the story and then walk through it together. So if you would, look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. 50, verse 20. And it says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, 
but God meant it for good in order to bring, to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, Joseph had a deep-seated con, uh, confidence in the sovereignty of God, in the goodness of God, that we will understand in a greater way as we walk through this message this morning. The sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, that God is in control, that he, he's going to work all that, all, he's going to work things out for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28. The road to forgiveness is the title of this message. And then we're going to see five points in, in, in the midst of this. It's going to be the betrayal, number one. Second is the opportunity. Third is the test. Fourth is the release. And fifth is the restoration. So let me, let me start by, by sharing the story of Joseph's, Joseph's life in a nutshell. Now for us, for those of us that don't know the story of Joseph, Joseph comes from a family of 11 brothers. At this point, Joseph is the youngest, and then eventually Benjamin comes along, and he's the 12th son. Now, I want you to think about a house growing up with 11, 11 boys in it, okay? Now, some of you have all boys, and, uh, and I pray for you. It probably wasn't, didn't smell too well in the house at times. The shoes would come off, they would wrestle, and you would be like, whoa, let's uh, fumigate. Goodwill was probably the department store of their choice. Because with 11 kids, how do you take care of them? It, it, is, it is overwhelming to take care of four that I have, no, much less a bunch more. Hand-me-downs was probably their life, and jo Joseph probably had the hand-me-downs of all of them. The youngest of the house. Yet their father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all the other sons. And it was really obvious to the brothers because one day jo uh, Jacob gave Joseph this brand new North Face jacket. And all the brothers were jealous. They were like, whoa, wh wh why does Joseph get the North Face jacket? I want a North Face jacket. How many of you want a North Face jacket? Like, yeah, like, come on. Like, like we all, I'm, wh wh what's so special about Joseph? I mean, and the brothers begin to get jealous. And, and so jealous that they want to kill him. And it didn't help that God gave Joseph a dream. And he shares it with his family. And he says, hey guys, uh, God gave me this dream. And guess what? You're all going to bow down to me one day. And, and I, I, I can see the brothers going, yeah, right. Like I'm going to bow down to you. I might take you down to the ground and wrestle you down. But I, I am not going to bow down to you, Joseph. Who do you think you are? And here's the betrayal. Here's the betrayal. One day, uh, his brothers uh, were out in the fields and they were taking care of the flocks and Joseph goes out to check on them. And, and, and the brothers see him coming from a distance and, and they say, ooh, look at Joseph. Jo the dreamer's coming. Let's kill him. And they devise a plan to kill Joseph. Yet at the time, there's some slave traders that were traveling through, and they said, hey, Judah says, hey, wait a minute, we could sell him. We could sell him for money, and we could profit off of him and sell him into slavery, and then we won't have to worry about Joseph ever again. So indeed, they did. They sold Joseph into slavery for 20 pieces of silver, now, can you imagine what Joseph must have felt as he's just kind of going out there to check out on his brothers? Hey, guys, what's up? And then they, they, 
they grab him, they bound him up, they throw him in a pit until they, the, the, they're coming by and they say, let's sell him. And now, now they get their money and they, he's watching the transaction as, as he's bound up and he's put on this slave trader's caravan to Egypt. And he's standing there and he's just going, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe that my brothers have just sold me. How could you? And they're calling out, don't do this. Don't do this to me. Please, don't do this. As the, as the caravan is pulling away and he's, and he's looking into their eyes as tears are coming down his face, please don't do this. How could you? And as he gets farther and farther away, anger begins to build like anybody would experience. And resentment toward his brothers. Betrayal has just happened. He probably will never see his father again. He's thinking in his mind, he's crushed, he's broken. He doesn't know what to do. Meanwhile, his brothers go back to his father and say, Dad, uh, Joseph's dead. A wild animal has destroyed him. He's, he's been killed by a wild animal. Here's his jacket. It's got blood all over it, and, and, and though he was really alive. Well, uh, the slave traders ended up taking him to Egypt and, and sold, him into, sold him as a slave to Potiphar's house. And even though he was in a bad situation, he, he serves faithfully in the house of Potiphar. And God is with him. God's with him even in all of that. Meanwhile, Potiphar's wife starts to take a liking to Joseph, and, and she wants to have him for, for herself. Remember, Joseph was a, was a handsome guy. And uh, Joseph refused her and, and ran. And, and ran from the temptation because he knew it was wrong. And, and because of it, Joseph is now falsely accused and now put into prison for doing the right thing. And now he finds himself in prison and he's approximately in prison for seven years. No one really knows how long he was there. But but some say, you know, it's, it's, it's approximately that long. Well, a year's long enough, right? <laughs> Seven years is a long, enough, a long time in, in prison. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second. At 17, he becomes a slave. 17, his brothers sell him to, into slavery. All, the hope of his, all of his hopes and his dreams are gone. All of, all of what he was believing that he could become in the family uh, and, and, and step into different things, a career, uh, a getting married, starting a family, all those things, they're gone. He is a slave now and he is a prisoner. His life was over, so to speak. All because of what his brothers did to him. Yet God has a plan in all of this. God begins to use Joseph even in the midst of the prison and, and by interpreting some dreams of some roommates that he had in, in the prison cell with him, he begins to be used by God. And because of it, Pharaoh hears about Joseph's ability to, to interpret dreams and he says, can you interpret my dream? And, and he is correct. And he tells him a famine's coming. And because of it, Pharaoh promotes him to second in command in Egypt. Talk about a change, a life change for Joseph. He's like, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Something good has come out of my life, Right? He's gone from slave to leader. He's gone from prisoner to ruler. This is a, a picture of God's faithfulness. Even in the midst of, of life's difficulties. Faithfulness in, in Joseph's life. 
God's reassuring Joseph. I'm with you, Joseph. I'm with you. Just love me. Just seek me. I'm going to take care of you. Now, at this time in, in Egypt, there was a widespread famine in all of the land. Yet, yet Egypt was prosperous because they knew the famine was coming and they stored up uh, for that, that famine, right? Because of Joseph's interpretation of, of Pharaoh's dream. And this is where the story gets interesting. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 42. This is where we're going to pick up the story this morning. Genesis chapter 42. Now, understand that Joseph hasn't seen his brothers for 20 years. And the last time Joseph saw his brothers was at 17 years old. He's now approximately 37, 38, 39. The last time he saw his brothers is when the caravan was taking was driving away in his, and he caught eyes with his brothers and says, why? Yet now Joseph's a ruler in Egypt. Probably the second most powerful man in the world at this time. Think about that. The second most powerful man in the world. Sitting in authority just underneath Pharaoh. He has absolute authority to govern how he pleases. And all of a sudden, his brothers show up on his doorstep asking for food. This rocked Joseph's world because he never believed that he would ever see his brothers again. Yet meanwhile, Joseph is blameless. Joseph never did anything wrong. His brothers wronged him. He didn't wrong them. And let's pick up the story in verse 1. Then Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. Jacob said to his sons, <clears throat> Why do you look to another, one another? And he said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may, not live, that we may live and not die. He's like, so the situation at, at the house was pretty grim. There was no Five Guys burgers down the street. I just wanted to get you thinking about that for afterwards. No, this was a serious situation. This was famine. They, they didn't have any food, and if they didn't do something, they were going to die. And they said, Egypt's got food. Let's go. They were in a desperate situation. Which brings me to my second point, and that is the opportunity. The opportunity. Jump down to verse 6 with me. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold, sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him, bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them, spoke roughly to them, and then he said to them, where, are, where do you come from? Now, now, Joseph, there's something you need to understand, and if you read a, a little bit further into this, you'll realize that, that Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. Joseph has the upper hand here. What is Joseph going to do with this opportunity? Joseph could do whatever he wants, right? He, he is, he's not going to have any recourse of whatever he could do to them. They're desperate. They're in need of his help. They're asking, Lord, give me food. And we, you see that if you read ahead. He could easily say, you know what? You sold me into slavery. And slaves you will be. An eye for an eye. But that's not what he does. I want you to stop for a second. I want you to think of someone in your life who's wronged you. And that should be all of us because we've all been wronged in some way. 
Now you know that person, if, he, if, they're still, if you still feel the wrong in your life, you know who, who that person is because you cringe when you see them. And when you hear their name, it, you get tense because it still affects you today because there's unresolved issues there. Maybe it was over something very insignificant or maybe it was something really serious that harmed you and you can't get over it. But you've been wronged. And you feel wronged. And now you're Joseph. And you're faultless in the situation. And and they've wronged you. And you've been betrayed. And you're an absolute authority. And you can do whatever you want. What is your response to that person? What is your response to that person in that situation? You can do whatever you want. No one will ever know. What do you do? That's Joseph. Here's the opportunity. What are you going to do, Joseph? Are you going to bring justice? Are you going to bring what they, they deserve? Is that what you're going to do? This is a divine appointment orchestrated by God for us to read and for him to experience. What do you do in that opportunity? You see, God oftentimes gives us opportunities to make things right. To make things right. Yet, we excuse them. We ignore them. We put them aside. And we choose not to deal with it. Not to take, take the opportunity to do what we need to do. And we ignore it. So what does Joseph do in this situation? Well, he, he, bring, he begins to, to test his brothers. Now remember, he has the upper hand because they don't know that it's Joseph. They don't know that Joseph, their brother, is, is the second in command, the one that they're talking to. But he does. And so he begins to, to ask questions and figure out what's going on. And the tests are for a purpose the tests are to, to gather information. To gather information about their, their lives now. I mean, it's been 20 years. I mean, what's going on with dad? And how, how's mom? And what are, what's going on up there? And what's, what, what, who are you today? Have you changed? Maybe they're thinking, who are you now? Are you any different? Are you the same guys that sold me into slavery? Maybe he's wanting to see if there's any brokenness over their sin. And ultimately, to see if it would be beneficial for him to have a relationship with them again. Which I think is healthy. You see, in life, people will disappoint us and they will hurt us that's a given each one of us have been hurt by somebody in our lives the question is is how will we respond to that hurt will it be with grace or resentment will it be with forgiveness or condemnation. There have been a number of people in my life that have hurt me through, through ministry. And you would think that uh, that would be the place where you wouldn't get hurt. But people in ministry are sinners too. And they hurt me. I've had to walk through that in life. And God wants me to respond in forgiveness to that hurt, in grace. And maybe also boundaries, because boundaries could be healthy. 
These tests from Joseph are, are to help determine if boundaries are needed as forgiveness is granted. Joseph is wrestling. He's, he's, he, his brothers are standing in front of him. He's just like, wow, God, what's going on? You're bringing my past now up and, and you're making me deal with my past. And he's wrestling with this and, and, and not knowing what to do. And, and God's making him deal with it. Just like God may be making you deal with yours today. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to let go of what's gone on in the past. Now, uh, I have these uh, socks here, and uh, these are my socks. And they say, um, me with a question mark, 30. And I got these at uh, my 30th birthday. And it says, 30 times smarter, 30 times better, 30 times sexier. (laughs) Now, um, these aren't that special to me, okay? But my wife told me the other day, now I'm 46 now, okay, just to let you know. I'm 46, and my wife says, I just realized you've had these for 16 years. What are you doing with these? Like, she's like, she's like literally asking me, like, why, why do you still have these? 16 years. Do they even work still? Like, are they going to fall apart? You know, 16 years they've been with you. You know, I, we moved to Mexico, and then we moved back, and somehow they just, they're still here. And, you, and she says, you've been holding on to these for 16 years? Why? And, and, and I, my response to her was, I don't know. I just have. And unforgiveness can be the same way. Some of you are holding on to unforgiveness and you're, you're holding on to resentment and bitterness for 16 years over situations. And I can ask you, why are you doing that? And you... And you you may even say, I don't know, I just can't, I just never done what, dealt with it. Let me say this, it's time to let it go. It's time to deal with it. It's time to, to get rid of it. I mean, I gotta get rid of these. It's time. It's time to, to get rid of that stuff and get it out of your life. Now let me say, boundaries are good. Because we don't want to be hurt again. We don't want to walk into a situation and then be like, you know, I forgive you. Go ahead and hurt me again. I mean, that's not good. But so we, we need boundaries. And, and Joseph's trying to figure out where he's trying to test his brothers and try to figure out where the boundaries need to lie. But boundaries as an excuse for the sake of not dealing with that person is not God's will. You hearing me? Rather than getting angry and bitter, we need to forgive. Rather than using your disappointment as an excuse to distance yourself from others, we need to forgive. We need to ask for forgiveness. You know, it's the trick of the enemy to allow bitterness and, and, and hatred to remain. It's a trick. He says, the enemy's like, oh yeah, that's good for you. Don't. Just hold on to it. Just that unforgiveness, just, just, just keep going with that. We have to remember that conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. You don't have to fight. You don't have to hold a grudge. You don't have to hold on to things. You can let it go. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Matthew 18.21 and 22 says, 
Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Really, Lord? When they've hurt me again and again and again and again? You want me to forgive and forgive and forgive? Yes. You see, in nowhere in Scripture does it say that you can hold on to unforgiveness. In fact, when you do, it's sin. And you're walking in sin until you deal with it. The Bible says, forgive as you have been forgiven. Now, at the end of chapter 44, if you turn over to chapter 44, Judah, the, the, the same brother who is 20, who 20 years before this says, look, the dreamer, he's coming, let's kill him. That's the same brother is now owning his wrong and pleading on behalf of his little brother, Benjamin, and his father. It's a very honorable picture here at the end of, of chapter 44. Let me read a few of the verses and then I'll, I'll help you understand what's going on. Now therefore, please, in verse 33, now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as, as a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go up with, with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father? Here's the situation. Joseph says the, his little brother Benjamin didn't, um, didn't come with them the first time. And so Joseph wanted to see if he, he re they really had a brother. And, and so the brother, the, the bro he said, bring your youngest brother to me if you come again. And I will give you food and I will help you out. <clears throat> and in the process of all this, he, he puts a cup inside Benjamin's bag as they are leaving with the food. And then they stop him and said, we need to check your stuff. And then he says, how dare you steal from me? And he set up them, he set up his brother Benjamin to be caught. And, and now he's, now they're standing in front of Joseph and Joseph is, is like, what, what have you done? Joseph, uh, I mean, uh, Benjamin, you're going to stay in prison. You're my slave. And the brothers, you guys can go. And now all the brothers know that Benjamin is, is the youngest, and, it's, and he's dear to the father's heart. And, and Judah says, take me. I can't see, I can't let this happen to my, my dad again. He's already lost one son, Joseph, and, and he, he can't lose another son like this. Take me. Take me. Put me in prison. I'll be your slave, but let Benjamin go because I cannot see this happen to my father again. And, and Joseph is overwhelmed because he sees the contrite heart of his brother and he sees the change in his brothers and he sees, oh my gosh, they're broken. They're, they're different. And so, here's the response that Joseph gives his brothers. He can't handle it anymore. He can't, he can't, it, it's too much, and he breaks. Look at verse 1 of 45. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before, uh, before all those who stood by him and cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the, Egypt, and the Egyptians in the house of, of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I, I am Joseph. 
does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. They just went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Joseph begins to weep uncontrollably. He can't handle it anymore. This is the third, third time, by the way, that Joseph's wept over his brothers as he's testing them. Church, let me say this. Forgiveness is painful. Forgiveness is painful. That's why we don't do it. Yet, God wants us to deal with it. Because through forgiveness comes freedom. Comes freedom. Now, now picture this. There's 11 brothers, right, standing before him. And, and he says, hey, I'm Joseph, right? And the one that you sold into slavery? Yeah, that's me. How's dad? And they're like, uh-oh. Um, we've been found out. We're toast. There's no hope for us now. This is the guy that, that we, he said, don't sell, don't do this. And he said, see you later. Have a good life. And now he's in control. And they're thinking, it's over. We're going to get what we deserve. Justice. But look at Joseph's response in verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. Come near to me. He's, he's weeping. He's crying and he's saying, please come near to me. And so they come near. And then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me here before you to re- preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it is not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all of the land of Egypt. Here's Joseph, and he says, guys, come, come near. Come close. Now, now the word here in the Hebrew, it, it literally means come next to me and look at me in the eyes. He wants closeness. You see, Joseph is ready to forgive. He's, he's granting forgiveness. And through forgiveness comes intimacy again. You see, some of you desire intimacy, but you're walking in unforgiveness. And it won't come until you let it go. Now in verse 5, Joseph says, don't be angry or upset with yourselves. When you sold me into slavery, it was a part of God's plan. What? They're probably listening and going, What are you talking about? I love the words of Joseph because it expresses the heart of Jesus. Remember Jesus prayed on the uh, the cross? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In fact, Joseph says, hey guys, hey, hey, hey brothers, listen. You might think your actions did all of this. And I can say, I can see that it's weighing on you right now, the decision of selling me into slavery. And, you could, and you're feeling the weight of it right now. It's, it's your reality. But I want you to understand, you didn't do this, God did. And in the midst of this situation, Joseph reaches out and he offers forgiveness. 
forgiveness. And he says, hey, brothers, I release you. I release you from your wrong. Wow. You mean, you mean you're not going to make them pay? I, re- I release you. From, I release you from your wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it didn't happen. It happened. You wronged me. And it hurt. Yet I forgive you. And I release you from that wrong. And I surrender my right to get even. I surrender it. Now you might be sitting here thinking, well, you don't know my memories. You don't know my pain. You don't know what I've gone through, Sean. You don't understand what I've had to walk through in my life. You don't understand the person that harmed me, what they did to me. I've been wronged. I know it hurts, and I know it's painful. But the answer is still the same. Forgiveness. For those of you that have suffered horrific wrongs, I want to be honest with you, forgiveness is unbelievably hard. And I know it's not easy. And I add, it's probably impossible without faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way it can be done. This kind of forgiveness is impossible in our own strength because God made it impossible. You might be thinking, what are you, what are you talking about? You see, he put, it out, he put it out of our reach so that we may come to him and say, God, I can't do this. God, I need you. God, I need you to help me. God, I, I, this is impossible. And he says, yes, without me it's impossible. But if you come near me, I will help you. And, and I will help you release it. I will help you forgive. But you need to cry out to me, God, I need your help. And that's when, that's when he begins to work. That's when God begins to work. Because the people who did these things to you, they don't get the last say in your life. God does. They don't get the final say of how your life ends up. They don't get the final say of where you find your joy. The Lord has the final say. Vengeance is his. He will repay. He he is the righteous judge. And we need to begin to trust it and trust him. And trust the Lord and believe in his word and believe for forgiveness and believe that God can actually get you to the place that that forgiveness comes. When God has the final say, we have hope again. Because those moments, those memories, those experiences, they don't define us anymore. They don't have their way in our life anymore. God does. That's the example that we see here in Joseph's life. You see, that experience didn't define him. God defined him. Now let's see what happens next in this story as we finish up. Look at verse 9. Hurry and and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me. You and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have, there I will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine 
And behold, your, your eyes and your eyes of, uh, in the eyes of my brother Benjamin, see that, I, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his, his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. And moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after, his brothers, and after this, his brothers talked with him. Can imagine what that conversation was like. This is the restoration. The restoration. What an incredible picture of restoration. Church, did, did you catch that? He, here is a man who has literally experienced incredible difficulty, yet he responds with mercy and grace and blessing. How does he do that? It's Jesus. It's because of God in his life, because he's understand that God is in control. He understands the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, and it doesn't matter what comes in life. And he says, I, for, I forgive you, and I release you from your wrong. And I want you to come, and I want you to live with me in my house. And I want, you to, I want you to go back home and I want you to pack up all your things. I want you to get your kids and I want you to come and live with me. Come and be with me in the land of Goshen and I want you to be a part of me. And he goes on and he says, and I will provide for you and I will take care of your every need and I want you to come and I want you to live in relationship with me again. How is that possible? If this is not a picture of Jesus Christ and his love for us, I don't know what is. You see, Jesus says, I want you to come near. Come near to me. And if you come near, I'll come near. And, and I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to take care of your every need. And I want you to come into my house. And I want you to be my child. I want you to be, I want you to be a part of my house and be a part of my family. You're, you're my son. You're my daughter. Come and be with me. Yet we have been the brothers. And we have, we have betrayed God with our sin and our, and, and our arrogance of to say, God, I've got my life figured out. I've got it my, I'm doing it my way. Yet Jesus says, I forgive you. I forgive you. All you gotta do is repent. Turn from your sin and come to me. Come broken. Come humble. And I will give you all these things because this is, this is my love for you. We don't deserve that. I don't deserve that, but that's what he gives us. That's, that's what the offer that's on the table. This is powerful, guys. And as we close, I want to make it practical. Forgiveness needs to come. Forgiveness needs to be granted. Some of you need to forgive this morning. My question to you is, what part do you play in all of this? What is it that God is speaking to you about right now? What is it that God is wanting you to deal with in your life right now? Are you the brother that needs forgiveness? Come and get forgiveness. If you need to forgive and you've been holding on to unforgiveness, you need to let it go. It is destroying your life. Release it. Release it and let it go. And trust God with it.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that is the question that that we are asked right now of what's our part in all of this? Lord, all of us have a need to walk through this process, to be reconciled, to let your Holy Spirit sustain us in this long road of forgiveness. Lord, we want to be like Joseph at the end of this story where he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Lord, may that be what rings out in our hearts. Lord, may we be able to get there in our own lives. And Lord, we sit here and we're, we're left with us in our lives and our need for you. And right now where you're at, maybe, maybe God is, is wanting you to forgive. And if that's you, I want you to do it right now, right here, in your heart. I want you to just say, say this, I release that thing. I release that person in my life. Lord, help me to continue to release it, to release the wrong that's been done to me right where you're at hold on to Jesus and ask him to help you don't let this wreck your life anymore don't let it have a hold on you anymore it's time to forgive it's time to let go Jesus I pray for each one in this room, because all of us have been wronged in some way. Lord, help us to walk in forgiveness. Lord, as you have forgiven us, you so freely give us, forgive us, Lord. Every time we fail, you forgive us. You say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Yet we hold for unforgiveness in our hearts. Lord, help us to walk free from that so that we can experience freedom. And Lord, I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.